Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the First Issue Club. We are your weekly comic book podcast that guides you through some of the most important comics of the week, and that's First Issues. They're your gateway and access point into new stories, adventure, and intrigue. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, there's no better access point. Agreed. Well, I'm Mike D, and with me as always are my co-hosts, Caitlin. Hi. Greg. Hello. And the Budget King. Hello. We got an obscene bounty this week, didn't we? Our cup runneth over. (laughs) I bought seven first issues this week. Some first issues I could not find in my shop. There were even more buzzworthy first issues than uh, we got our grubby mitts on. Yep. Uh, Sorry, Source Point Press. We will not be covering you this week. Source Point. You're hard to find. We could not find you. What was that book? Uh, two books they actually had number yeah. ones out. Did you uh, did one you guys one. ask for them? Yes. Should I, we? I'm shipping. Uh, <laughs> there's something about a bug party, bug cookbook, apocalyptic children getting cooked in there, and there's a bug cookbook. What? <laughs> I, I may have butchered the name there, but <laughs> <laughs> sounds neat. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think essentially what we're going to do is we all read these comics. The Budget King has a ranking of... A definitive ranking, he said. He came in hard with that. (laughs) I did tell you guys that it is perfect. (laughs) So we'll count down to his favorite first issue of the week. I think all of us may have our own lists available and at the ready. So if you take Extreme Umbridge... You can challenge the king to you know his what? first issue throne. I, I'm going to post our rankings on Instagram when this episode drops. You, right. get, you give me your lists, and I'll make each of us a post of our, our rankings. So right. you just won't get Budget King's hot, hot takes. <laughs> I like that. You can only get my takes on the actual episode. <laughs> <laughs> per usual. Yeah, people like uh, me hearing my voice. <laughs> we ready to get, get this, this podcast Started. Wow, like a dying train. (laughs) (laughs) Number seven. The ranking that Budget King has, which is the official ranking, is Inkblot on Image Comics by Emma Kubert and Rusty Glad. This one should be unanimous, I would have to say. As last? Because it wasn't for me. No, me either. Um, So Inkblot is essentially a high fantasy, and there's a writer who is uh, writing and, uh, and blots out... Uh, a writer. I... She's she's the whole country's story, like historian. You're already you, writing it you, off. You are gaslighting this review, <laughs> might I add. And she falls asleep and knocks her ink into a cat, and the cat has adventures. Maybe we'd the have read a different comic book. has been conjured from a void realm, and the cat has all sorts of deeply magical and profoundly powerful powers that she's being kind of pulled through and I think it's going I forgot to where that part, but yes. she's going to rise to be maybe one of the more powerful people in her family because she's always been overshadowed by them. A couple things Caitlin said make the story really relevant to somebody who is coming from a family of hugely famous comic book writers. 
and she's yeah. If you don't know the name Qbert, they're the Qbert School, of, right? Of uh, comics that's advertised in a lot of comics. Uh, her grandfather, I guess, started that. Joseph, and now Emma's trying to make her play at this and there, there's just some commentary there i think it's also kind of clever that you've got ink taking you on adventures is also like a cute charming nod to comic books and her family right i would have liked this comic book more if rusty glad didn't explain to me that how they used to do comics was like this the marvel way was to draw them together and then put the words on the page and i was like no they do I like food better because you just you tell me that it's it's the it's the historic way to prepare it? No, it either tastes good or it doesn't. And so I didn't I didn't enjoy <laughs> so back the, in my day food authors, was made and then we named so it. So the author's notes at the end <laughs> ruined the whole book for you. It put a fine point as to why it the comic book was hard for me to follow. If it had no words, it actually would be really interesting and fun. The words to me were distracting, and so it was hard for me to follow. I'm not trying to like bash this book. It's it's also towards the bottom of my list, but I would say that I also didn't hate anything that we read this week. Oh, for sure. All these yeah. books were pretty top tier. That actually made it a lot harder is that there was nothing in this that I like had a vehement reaction mm-hmm. to where I was like, that was bad. Inkblot, I'm sure there might... like I think if you're a purist comic book person and you're looking for like the critique of a comic book like you were mentioning caitlin and mike d ink block might be really fun i was looking to be entertained i thought some of, <laughs> i thought some of the dialogue the inner dialogue and commentary was fun and engaging so and i did connect with some of it even though it was written after it was drawn i do feel like there's going to be a huge niche for people who want to follow the character of an inked out cat like <laughs> i was like yeah cat fans are gonna like yeah this. for 100 percent Coming in at number six, Grendel, Kentucky. Oh, man, I really like this book, though. I thought this book slapped hard. Yeah, I had it high, high, high. Did you have it high? Um, This is what Kid Rock's music should be, (laughs) is Grendel, Kentucky. (laughs) This is everything that I love about Ed Brubaker's stories or Sean Phillips' art. It felt like a Woodstock 99 version of an Ed Brubaker story. (laughs) Okay, that that actually sells it to it me. It was like super slow and very genre. Yes. Well, which I think if you read it in between like two action comics, that it would seem very boring, right? But as like a slow burn, something you could imagine on television that might have some legs to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like I love these sort of southern middle of the country sort of tales. Yeah, like Kentucky Fried Noir. So I, this looks like this well, looks like it was drawn on the back says. of a Waffle House menu. That's that you know what, what I mean. In the back, he says Southern Fried Beowulf. Beowulf. Oh, okay, fucking even better. Uh, this we didn't mention this. This is on AWA. This is by uh, Jeff McComsey and Tommy Lee Edwards. No, no, no. This is on AWA Upshot. Sorry, this is yeah. You're right. This is a <laughs> sub brand of AWA. AWA has been out for a year and a half, and they already have an imprint. <laughs> and uh, AWA, as we have mentioned many times on this show. Uh, formats their comics in a, in a lot of ways to kind of be greenlit. They're like. upfront about that. Yeah, they're not. They, they want these things to get turned into movies or television shows. Yeah, so AWA might be good spec buys for anybody that cares about that kind of stuff. 
Um, okay, so this is just the straight-up synopsis, Perfect. so it might reveal too much. But for two generations, the rural town of Grendel, Kentucky, has honored its Faustian bargain with the monster living in its abandoned coal mine. A human sacrifice every season in return for agrarian prosperity, the likes of which this rocky region had what never before seen. <laughs> okay. I, that doesn't sound like the comic I read. No. And then it says, when one town elder breaks this pact, Grendel's only hope is that its prodigal daughter will return home fa- to face down the creature of her nightmares and bring her all-female biker gang with her. Honestly, this is Sons of Anarchy with some lore. Uh, that always ruins things for me when there's too close of a comp. It is It is straight up Beowulf. So that it's a four-part series and it's a retelling of Beowulf. Um, and then the whole thing that you just read where they said like Faustian and all that kind of stuff that it triggered me a bit because it was like this is tipping its hat a little bit to like literary stuff mm-hmm. in a way that's like I always feel like homages should be subtle and like it, you could just find them. And if you have to be told like what it is in like reference to it's like, oh, am I attending an art gallery show here? <laughs> like, I don't know. Who oh, wrote sure. this review, yeah, yeah. But that's true. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're right. Because I just found out that Clueless is actually based off like either a Emma. Shakespeare. Yeah. It's in, based off Emma. Yeah. And like when you when you hear that, you're like, oh, my God. So it the, the book I read. The first issue didn't seem too heavy-handed in its literary, you know, prowess. But that review that you just described, if I would have heard that before I read this book, I would not want to read this did you book. Not, did yeah. you not read the editor's notes? No. Neither okay. did I. There actually was, um, after the editor's notes, I thought this was really cool. They did a, a fake newspaper that, like, it looked really, like, spot on yeah, and cool. It and it, like, actually explained a lot in the story that didn't really make sense for me. Here was my main thing, too. And you guys, feel free to disagree with me. I don't really need right now in this period of time white hick southern stuff that doesn't make a commentary on the bullshittery of that behavior like like the privilege of of just being their lifestyle like super white and like rural and like Mm -hmm. like hickey and stuff like that Um, we have had those stories told time and time again like like i feel like southern bastard it knows that it's that but then it's like it makes tons of comments about it and is like actually commentary on small town america sure this is like and sons of anarchy is like is more like hey do you know about the subculture over here where like people are kid rock fans but they're modern and also in this book it's like there's a there's like a symbiotic (laughs) relationship between the people doing all these crimes and selling all these drugs and the people who are in law enforcement and like that doesn't exist so much yeah. outside of this bubble that's like okay I don't know that we should be <laughs> highlighting that but you like you guys liked it a lot say some stuff about it I sometimes I just like those backwoods sort of stories that get into the lives of these people I think to get some perspective on what it's like to be somebody who doesn't interface with the outer world mm-hmm. is just like kind of interesting. They live in this microcosm that this weed dealer patriarch has created, right? And then his children have kind of escaped that clusterfuck of drug dealing, well, family bullshit, <laughs> right? And then, but this draws everybody in his like web back, which just leaves room for a lot of tension or conflict or, you know, whatever to be worked out. But then to throw in the mystical element, this comic book starts with a guy wearing like 40 grenades, carrying two AR-15s. He's in a bear suit. He's ready to throw down. Walking into a tunnel. And so (laughs) I... And that's how he dies. 
and we don't know like what exactly got him a demon or something. But that was Clyde, right? That's the dad. That's the dad. Okay, mm-hmm. he's the patriarch of and his family. I thought going into it that this is like prepper shit, like all like about like sure, pre- okay, like, yeah. like mm-hmm. preppers. And then near the end, when you find out it's like demon monster shit, I was like, okay, yeah, this was <laughs> like, like if you read Briggs Land. This seems like yeah. sort of a Briggsland deal, but Adjacent. with supernatural stuff in it. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which I, I really liked Briggsland. I um, did too. Even though I think that guy's a shithead. Brian Wood, I think, wrote it. And yeah, he's, he is a shithead. Yeah, he's a <laughs> terrible person, so burn your comics. <laughs> um, th- this comic was not bad. Um, it just kind of compared to everything else. Some of the story were like were loose. It took me twice yeah. to read it, so I just felt like if we're just reviewing it in its complete like form, it needed a little bit of better editing. It had just a heavy dialogue middle of just people catching up. Mm-hmm. So that that pacing of it was maybe yeah a little tough. I love the style and I love the coloring. But some of the characters ended up looking a little bit the same, yeah. which sometimes happens. Which that happens with every comic, so it's just it's hard. It's hard to draw a bunch of white people looking, make them, <laughs> make them look different. <laughs> that's my favorite take on this book. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's six. Okay, number five we have <laughs> Lonely Receiver on Aftershock by Zach Thompson and Jen Hickman. I had this in a similar spot as you. Same. It's very similar to her, except instead of just an AI on a phone, you can grow AI organically. If you haven't seen her, a guy falls in love with the AI Siri that's on his phone, which is like hyper advanced in the future, and they're sentient. That's the Joaquin Phoenix one. Yeah. Okay. It's a great movie. I wanted to watch it for a long time, but I haven't. Black Widow plays the the voice of exactly right. Oh yeah, Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. This book knocked me off my feet aside from the fact that it just seemed derivative of her. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually even though I could pull things that it seemed like whatever, it actually felt like noir horror. I had to keep on being like, oh wait, this is in the future though and it just like on concept alone it ranked higher because my criticism of this and actually much like her in some ways is like if somebody asked me like what is the rising action or the thing that needs to be accomplished uh, or the arc, I don't know because we're just essentially just watching a relationship play out. And I think I think that's probably what my biggest take on this was at all is that it didn't really have anything to do with AI or sci-fi at all. It was more just somebody having to deal with the excruciating fear that they're going to have to work on themselves. They can't just depend on somebody to love them forever unconditionally. And when that goes wrong, as it has gone wrong before for them, really just battling inner demons. (laughs) Like you even see her journal entries toward the end and it's like riddled with insecurity. They were great. This was was definitely like one of the more thought-provoking comics I've read in a while. And it's scary. It doesn't leave you feeling good. No. Mm. it does. And, and it felt like high art, like a novella, um, because of those pieces in the end. Like, you read them and then you figure out more. And so I think, like, reading it like a traditional indie comic doesn't really work because I think that it's, like, it's more about observing this relationship. And it's... And I hate this is like a dumb thing to say, but it's almost like a non-linear thing. Like it's like, you're just going to watch this unfold. Like you would 
a, like an art house movie, not necessarily like a rom com, obviously, mm-hmm. but yeah. like or a horror movie. For the the ad, like whatever they're called, they write about the product, and then they have like her journal. Those things alone helped it get really high in my rank. They were great world building things. Yeah. I prefer stuff like that over letters to the editor. Um, letters. Letters. <laughs> letters to the editors. <laughs> uh, quite a bit, just because they add so much like color and texture to the world when they're done right. And it, you don't. I don't want to hear like you said earlier, like somebody compare it to other great things. Tell you great why it's awesome. Yeah. I just want to see that you've put some serious thought mm-hmm. into this, building it out, and how it can like oh, relate and, we didn't, and connect. We didn't to even the mention this, which I I think is is at least worth mentioning. The relationship is two women which is really cool and they're both like nude half the book that was something that i kept noticing like this is unabashedly just like these are their bodies they can be arguing and nude they can be having sex you know it 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 was just like so about that this is did your did your comic book have the nipples and vagina Uh blurred out yeah they did on some of them well just on her i thought i bought like a g-rated comic (laughs) well they don't have them blurred out on the other girl just the robot yeah okay uh, Maybe yeah. that's because it would be like, what would you make those look like? And I'm not really sure. Whatever I wanted. They had one of the. <laughs> they I I made a note of this. They had one of the best art of fellatio that I've ever seen in a comic book. I it was be- it that was, was a beautiful scene actually. But it yeah. wasn't. Isn't it technically not fellatio if it's a woman? Conalangus. Yeah. Oh, I, I think so. No, you educated me. Because it's a phallus. <laughs> yeah, you're conalangus right. is when um, you're on lady parts. A fellatio tongue, is a when tongue you're on, was on uh, the vagina. <laughs> female parts. And I and it was owned by a woman. <laughs> Both. Both. The Both. tongue and the vagina. Yes. Tongue and vagina. <laughs> Not the same woman. That <laughs> yes. would be a feat. If you don't know, that's a way to pleasure a woman. <laughs> so I can't remember exactly what they called this, but there's this, maybe it was called Eden or something. There's this the like. The garden. The garden. Yeah. That's right. This like in between zone, like mm, between yeah. like VR and reality and back end coding where users can like escape to this void. They, they like fell out of it one time too, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they're like surrounded in like green, like it's like a green aura you're yeah. in. Yeah. It was a right. surreal like read. AKA the sex zone. Okay, <laughs> and so in the sex zone, it seems like a monster or glitch or error in the system is born out of this and that thing is sentient. That was kind of like the stinger at the end of this book. And that really is the that's probably the narrative arc that we need to be following, but it was done so subtly yeah. that like I I had a hard time even understanding what they were referencing. Well, the and, relationship stuff was so powerful, it was mm-hmm. hard to focus on anything else. Mm-hmm. And from the notes, you kind of or maybe it was from one of the synopses, like you're made to understand that her phone has died along with this person at the end. So she has nothing like how it goes into what the phone does for you. Like she has no money anymore. She has no identity. And she's just got this weird thing that's come out of the garden with her. I don't I mean, I don't even know if anybody else can see it. Like it's just going to be kind of odd. This is one of those comic books I would flag to look for the trade. um, Yeah. That I would be like really excited to just see where it unfolds. It's definitely pushing some limits. I read all seven of these books in a night, and unfortunately, this one was the last book I read. And so I think I did myself a service because I had you already experienced reader fatigue. You I think there's something you to be can't said read this one that. sleepy though either. No, you got to be in it to win it. So I think I'm gonna reread it tomorrow and see where I. What were you gonna say about like what? What's I read it? Grendel last, and I didn't. I, that was the one I liked. Oh, the okay. Least. Yeah. I don't know if that has reader fatigue. Probably does have something to do yeah. with it. That was Lonely Receiver. Um, good job, Zach Thompson and Jen Hickman. 
I mean, listen to how much we liked mm-hmm. Lonely Receiver. <laughs> like, that just goes to show you how, like, top tier the first issues were this week and why we just wanted to, like, hit all of them. Yes. These next ones were really hard, and we probably are going to uh, debate them a little bit. At number four, I have... Black Widow by Kelly Thompson. Artist Elena Casagrande. I would have given this the best art of the week. This is a different take on Black Widow that reminded me a bunch of Archie comics. How so? I think that this is Black Widow's like love life and like she's a popular girl and doing her popular girl things. That's how I read it in a really cool way. Like it felt like- Kind of like breezing through the world, doing all these amazing things and amazing everyone around her and then just being like, I love my life. In, in well, this if you were a super thing. assassin and and had just like a know. normal job, people would be like, whoa, <laughs> fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was the same way that like Kelly Thompson, when she did Sabrina, took a different look at Sabrina's like life and wasn't like all witch based. And I feel like she pulled Black Widow out being like, she's a babe that has romance. And like, isn't that interesting? Because she's also a deadly Russian assassin. <laughs> and like that- But you've seen her do- like all these cool flips and kicks and stuff, but you haven't seen her be at peace and in a domestic situation. Yeah, and and I will say too, Black Widow is not a book that's on my radar where I'm like, let me see where Black Widow's at, unfortunately. Um, but this, I was like, I could get into this book. Like, I could be into it. I've read the last few runs of Black Widow stories, and I just loved how much this hit with her personality. Because really, you do just see like spy thrillers with her, or that's generally the st- sort of stories that people want to tell. You know, it did start with like action and intrigue, right? And then to smash cut that right to her having a life and a personality was great. And one of the, sorry, I'm talking so much, but one of the cool things that really amazed me is that action sequence is mostly about how she's technically fighting with Hawkeye, who was a love interest of hers at one point in time. And then you flash back to like, Hawkeye's not the love interest. So it's even, it's even about the like soap opera-ness, even though it's Between about action. Between him and like Bucky too, where they're like, right. when did you see her last? Soap opera is the word I was looking for. This feels soap opera-ish in all the best ways. I think it's worth noting, too, that she's in sort of, even though she's in this sort of, like, domestic bliss situation, she's also being watched and definitely has been put there with no memory of who she was before. So there's that ominous tone, but, like, you kind of wonder how long are they going to let that play Uh out? What's the purpose of keeping her in that situation instead of just taking her out? It's it's very interesting. So Arcade is the bad guy here. He's a sometimes goofy villain, if you're not familiar with him, where he orchestrates games, as his name would lead you to believe, <laughs> to, like, you know, make bad guys or good guys kill each other or some sort of scenario like that. He's also that. the director of the movie The Game. <laughs> what? Arcade, Arcade directed the uh, game. He took a break from uh, being a... A Marvel superhero you just really for a while. Always wanted to work with Michael Douglas. Yes, yeah. yeah. Big fan of Michael yeah. MD, um, <laughs> and he made the, mo- the movie The Game. Speaking of Cunnilingus, <laughs> <laughs> Michael Douglas. Yeah. I'll just drop a uh, bomb here and say, it was my favorite book of the week. It was. It was. I will, I will, hey. I will absolutely not argue with that. And I kind of thought that might be your book of the week. Yeah. Is it I'm a big because head, so. that's what I was going to say. Yeah. If you're really into Marvel and have been following, because they referenced the Black Widow storyline that happened previous to mm-hmm. this where 
Winter Soldier and Black Widow were off doing adventures yeah. and left Hawkeye right. at home. So these, I think Marvel Comics always have an unfair advantage to me because they're not really first issues. Yep. It's a continuation of a story that I already love. Yep. And then the first issues are like premier ones of those. Sure. So I, I read this book through once and I was just like, huh. And then it took me a minute to be like, wait a minute. You know that was a Black Widow book. That wasn't just like a cool, like fun romance book or whatever. Yeah. And then I was like, "That's cool. Yeah, that that's awesome." I love doing something like that with a big two book. Kelly Thompson is a uh, we could call her a, a fan of the podcast, a friend of the podcast, <laughs> not a fan. Yeah, <laughs> we can't go so far. It's a good point, actually. <laughs> Okay, coming in at number three. Now we're in the top, top three. three. Top three. Number three. We only find them when they're dead. That this was only number three? This is by Al Ewing and Simone DeMio. DeMio? 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 Um, I don't want to get that name wrong because they are an amazing artist and I, they deserve me saying their name correctly. Um, but uh, this is, I believe, and I could be wrong on this, I believe this is Al Ewing's independent debut. He is obviously... Wow, is that true? I can't think of another independent book he did. I Not I, off the top of my head, I, I can't I, either. I could be wrong. He is obviously a ton of fame for all the Marvel stuff, especially Immortal Hulk that he's doing right now. What a concept, too. This just blew my mind. For me, it gets high, so high marks on concept alone. I could explain it in kind of like a couple sentences. Caitlin, I don't know if you want to just read the description or not. I I will read parts of it because it's kind of long. Captain Malik and the crew of the Vihan 2 harvest the only resources that matter from the giant corpses of alien gods found on the edge of human space. No one has ever seen a living god, (laughs) but Captain Malik is obsessed with being the first. This is Pirates ER hunting dead Galactuses. It's like Firefly and some of the like edge verse politics and society from Star Wars, like kind of rolled up into one with this like massive dead god just floating in space. Yeah. And they have to like it's surgical, it's medical. Yeah, they have to like do their ships have like surgical saws. Ships. Yeah, and cut out like their flesh of these giant Galactus-looking gods. Or galactic-sized It was so weird to read something that was so embedded in, like, government law mm-hmm. enforcement. Mm-hmm. And, like, you were saying, the medical side of things. Yeah. People are really, like, science fields, they're really wanting jelly this year, so we need to go for the eye. Well, everybody's going to go for the eye, so we need to make sure that we're, we're not going to get in a bidding war. Like, And that's, like, the pirate nature of it. Yeah, Like, everyone has normalized that it's just this god just dead and it floating is, in space. It actually it loses its like awe. It has them, a little right? bit of like repo men vibe yes, to it. Yes. Yeah, like organ trading. The only reason why it didn't get my number one is that this felt like a zero, which we've said about comics before, where it was like a a prelude or a, a prequel. I would agree uh, with that. To the comic because the cliffhanger is essentially that they're gonna go off on their own and hunt living gods, which the whole concept of this comic in existence is that they carve up dead gods and so just to lead up to that felt like i got a bunch of backstory to go on the adventure not only bad. that but it's like incredibly dangerous right because you see one of the ships just by going after something they didn't claim get just obliterated which everybody died another layer of heaviness to the story is that the person who mm. obliterated the ship breaking the law 
is the person who killed our captain's parents because they were breaking the law. Mm-hmm. That's why the sh- their ship name has a two in it because mm-hmm. he was going to inherit their trade, right? So <laughs> he had to get another ship. Yeah, maybe I missed that. Did they? Is that why they? got killed because they were trying to do essentially the same thing that these other pirates were killed for. They were trying to uh, get away with escape something. with more materials than uh, they or had maybe, been allowed to take. Or maybe they were trying to pull off the move that he's now again trying to right. do. Find a living God. Mm-hmm. I, I love when stories make bureaucracy interesting. Sexy. Yeah. <laughs> or like fun or adventurous <laughs> and stuff. You got to do it with like a Captain Phasma type though, right? Like I feel like that's who she is. Like this... One woman like killing machine in Captain her own Phasma ship. is a really good comparison to who she is. I hope they go into how these gods die. You know what I mean? Like maybe just a little bit of just like, or yeah, or why they're it, just showing up when they're dead. It's like, such an Al Ewing thing to be like. <laughs> do they get like alerts on their phones? It's just like, oh, we got a new dead god. Even well, the they do, even the title gives time. you gives right. you explanation to the story. Yeah. Right. It's like <laughs> we only find them when they're dead. Oh, weird. Okay. <laughs> that tells me a little bit about All this right. book. Sure. <laughs> this is the only time I've seen a book with the the name of it twice on the cover. That I was gonna actually <laughs> point out. I think okay, what Greg is pointing out is that the A cover is very graphically done. I don't think you're gonna see this on every issue, uh, but they have a it's just giantly written there. And um, then it's in the upper right hand corner, so super tiny. Which I'm wondering if that was just there was seven covers for this. Uh, and okay. so if they were just printing, oh no, because one's a, the B cover's a virgin actually. So I have no idea why they did that. I accidentally got a booger on one of the pages. No. Is that the Jenny Frizzlin? No. Okay. No, her cover was, I was like gonna say, so it didn't look like too. hers. This I think a, that was like a $50 cover. We, we okay. should keep on mentioning this because this is one of those things. This is one of those boom books that sold out before it hit the shelves that everybody's excited about. Boom is just like absolutely killing it. They're going to be the Yankees of the independent comic book world. I'm calling it right now. <laughs> Boom is? They have so many hits. Like 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 something is killing the children. Like all of those like things that just like blow up. Like I hear more way more about Boom than I do Image these days. Hmm. That's a it's, it's interesting take. I do hear less about Image than I hear about other indies coming yeah. up. I mean, I know more I know and more. Image is like gargantuan in size mm-hmm. but boom has like select picks much maybe, like the yankee organization mm, maybe image ma- has way more at bats well let's say this <laughs> oh here's, here's the better they're to have the same amount of hits they got that name cloud everybody they're, wants to go to image this is, and everybody on the podcast is going to understand this reference they're the 2013 royals in that their farm league <laughs> is coming to roost <laughs> that's image or this is boom, or is that boom? boom. That's, okay. okay that's boom sure <laughs> good job al you did it again. Is are we good on on that book? Artwork was insane. The coloring alone was just. It reminded me of uh, Isola, a little bit like just so like. Looks gr- like movie stills. Yeah, and just like, to be honest, I haven't seen a lot of comics drawn like this. Like it, Mm-mm. it just felt like different in a really good way. I think I think to your point though about it being a zero. I, I do need to see where they're going to go with it. Yeah. It's not something I can be like immediately sold. I think just based on the fact that Al Ewing is writing it, I it's going to go somewhere good. But I do want to see because you just don't know. There's not enough. I Honestly, if I didn't know who the writer was, <clears throat> this book may have been a little lower on my list. I completely agree on that. Yeah. Just hmm. because not a lot happened in it. Well, uh, I don't know if you guys kept on reading Isola or Isola 
it the art alone sustained it. That could be with this book if it wasn't Al Ewing. The art alone is, is pretty sustainable. Okay, for now, my number two, which completely surprised me, to be honest. <laughs> Spy Island, a Bermuda Triangle mystery, which is by Chelsea Kane and her whole crew. New York Times bestselling because of Maneaters, coming out with another debut comic book about an island, a spy island, that has a mystery and intrigue in it in the Bermuda Triangle. Phenomenal. I loved it, and I didn't didn't think I would. And here's why I didn't think I would. This might get second best comic book of the week. It gets worst cover of the week, and all of the Maneater covers are god-awful. <laughs> the series is amazing, but holy shit, their covers are so bad. Well, I'm sorry <laughs> to one, say that. But. One thing that's just odd is using real-life photography and textures with illustration is just such a unique style so it definitely pops off of the shelf at you mm-hmm. but it just doesn't it works sit well in your brain i guess it's like it does they don't look like they should go together it works on right. a novel it it just doesn't work for me on a comic book and so when i saw this on previews i was like nah pass like the images that they use in the book itself or the cover specifically just the covers image artwork I, amazing i feel the same like yeah. the real images they used within the book i feel like highlighted to it even though it made you feel like it was a little out of place. But yeah, I agree. When I saw this cover, I was like, not going to like this. No. Well, it, don't don't you think it's just like hearkening back to those dime store, like, yes, beach reads you get, like those little tiny... Which is perfect for the story. It looked, sure. like, an, it looked like an AWA cover to me, which I... <laughs> <laughs> Man, you are dunking on that. I didn't think it was that bad, to be honest. But, okay, uh, the... Gra- <clears throat> Regardless, and I should, why we would go deep on the cover doesn't matter because it got number two. It was a great comic book. I don't know if you guys want to speak on it or say anything else about it. I loved it so much. I liked it. It was the last comic on my list. What? Yeah. Sorry. Interesting. I think the concept is great. I love that, like... Wait, you ranked it, like, number seven? It's number seven on my list. Oh, I love that... Offended. So offended you I are. love that this island is obviously a place where, like, dirtbags go to, like, peacock and flock. So it's, like, the best place for spies to just live and wait for morons to come to them. <laughs> like, that's such a good concept for a book. But my thing was, I just didn't know why I cared about anybody or, like, where the story was going. I just know that they're, like, spies. This is, again was another one that maybe felt like a zero issue where it was like, here are some people. What are they going to do together? What are they going to do separately? What are their motives? Like some of that I just didn't get from this. So I was like, I don't know what to take away. I, I get that. I think for me, what really grabbed me was like, or why I guess if I would gonna, was going to defend it is that we jump into action, yeah. like super fun. So I never lost interest, which is always high marks for me. And then the way that they like truly play up the Bermuda Triangle. Um, it's like a zany place. Zany. Yeah, definitely doesn't take itself too seriously. Yeah. And also like mystical and mysterious. Like there's monsters and shit and it's totally just the norm. And that's not the focus of the story. I think is a hard book to write and makes it really fun. Well, and the other the other key piece of the reason for her being there, along with some of these other adventurers and secret organizations, is that they're all kind of racing in this war to find these relics and to kind of mine the mysteries from the triangle. So it's really like 
it is kind of hobnobbing, but it's also like got a very sinister, like we all have to get these things. We got to figure out who has them or how I can get them first. And then there's the whole layer with the mermaids and her sister. It felt it felt like a better version of Assassination Nation. That I don't know if you guys read that. Like it felt like maybe that, but also with Clue. Yeah. In a weird way. <laughs> and then some of the characters are like, it's like Umbrella Academy in that like one is just a mime and then one yeah. is like a skull face. <laughs> yeah. But you treat them as a normal character and like one that's is very just distinct. Named, like Doug. Yeah, that's, that's a way to steal my Doug. heart. If when you like do like that weird shit like that. I don't know. I really. And you have like all these people in a room, but then you have somebody who's representing the IRS's interests in the Bermuda <laughs> Triangle. Yeah. Like the layer of like. And humor and Man irreverence. Man Eaters is a f- phenomenal book. It's it's awesome, but it felt like the Chelsea Kane crew, like it was the book they were born to make. Like it it was commentary on on feminism and just in an, an amazing way for them to write a book that's like not derivative of that at all in any way and is like completely just amazing i'm just like holy shit this is kind of a powerhouse here so even the commentary with the mermaids like having being like we don't know all there is to know about mermaids yet please help us spread the word and change the social norms about how we're interacting with them yeah they're treated like an endangered yeah. species like, like great white sharks or yeah something like and then that. you yeah. see them and they're terrifying they're not at all what you would expect from like mermaid lore well, right. some mermaid lore but like I wasn't. Yeah. The book is written so well that when they brought in the concept of mermaids, I just couldn't tell if it was a joke yet or not. Like if there actually was mermaids, or if they were just like if it was like a Disney World thing, and they were like all in like on this tourism. joke that I didn't understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. I loved that. You know, you go through this entire issue with them referencing stuff like that, and then it's not until like one of the final pages of the book where you see everyone getting off of the ship for the week. Like the cruise line is pulled up and everybody's <laughs> piling out of it. And there's like demigods and gargoyles and like all kinds of things in and the crowd. Tourists. Yeah. And then just like normal tourists. And you're just like, whoa, this is fucking crazy. I, w- I want to emphasize again. I liked every single book I read this week. But I I think the abstractness of like what their goal was was just something I need a little more of. I'll certainly buy the second issue of this, and I'm sure we'll get a lot more motive, and this will probably be, like, the second issue will probably be, like, killer for me. It kind of, I think I figured out, I think I figured it out. What you were saying and what we were trying to figure out, like, how, what it reminds me of is it reminds me a little bit of Private Eye in just the the look of it and how just the sheer amount of people that are involved in the story at once. The the kind of wackiness of all the characters that yeah. are involved. It didn't take itself seriously, but also had a very serious, like fun storyline to follow, which is like something I, I think that's something I just really like a lot. I love how casual our lead was about just like, I killed someone today. <laughs> I'm, I may need your help. With yeah. That. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Let's go have and sex. Then, yeah. And then he's like, I'm bored. What a fuck. Oh, I love, I love the casual sex part. I was just like, oh, they, they just, they're fuck buddies. Well, well if you're trapped on, on an island, yeah. goddamn. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a good rope. Friends with benefits is always a storyline. I'm gonna. He did be look into. sad. He woke up when she left. He caught know. feelings. And then he he also there was like a subtle James Bond reference because he had British underwear. Yeah, with sure, the yeah. picture of the queen or what yeah. was it? Somebody like a giant portraiture. Which behind is now him. interesting that it's like he everything he probably says is is done in an in English accent, but I didn't read it that way, which is funny to think about. Yeah. I I personally hate when we're too heavy handed with British-y. writing in writing in an accent. Mm. Same, um, yeah. 
So I also love we we maybe may have mentioned this a little bit, but just the fact that all the spies end up at the fundraisers that are held <laughs> on the island because it's just a breeding ground for shitheads who are wealthy and brag when they and get drunk. drunk. Yeah. So it's yeah. like lead city. And it's just like filthy with spies. Like I thought that was like so fun. The the other thing that I was not gonna like about this book is I thought it was a one in four, which I, I am not a huge fan of one in fours. They just kinda I don't know. I don't really get just them. Just do a trade at that yeah. at that point. Yeah, just and, and people have done that and it seems better to me. Um I don't think it is a one in four. And so even though I, I ranked it as high thinking it was a one in four and I don't <laughs> even think it is. I would be saddened to hear that it was a one in four. I feel yeah. like there's a lot there. Cool. Because it oh. could even be like a fun romp of the week type scenario where they go and get this one thing. Oh, yeah. Like builds. They could do arcs. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, and you're going to find out more about this zany world. Coming in at number one <laughs> on DC's black label is Hellblazer Rise and Fall by Tom Taylor and Derek Robertson. This took me by surprise a little bit, and I think that I was I mainly got so high for a couple of reasons. One, DC Black Label is back, baby. This this book earned Black Label. Yes, you're one hundred percent right. This Where, is the sort of things I would expect to see on an imprint that's like our serious gritty stuff. Yeah, we got kids smoking cigarettes. <laughs> Which is always that's dark, mm-hmm. and then we got lots of gore, lots of straight up guns in the face, blood, like just bursting out of the seams, bloody blood, blood. Is uh, is John Constantine always gay? It, like, because I'm gonna he's be, fluid. I'm yeah. gonna be mad if that's just a black label thing that they were like, oh, and now we can make him gay. Okay, no, he's fluid. He good. doesn't. Okay, uh, yeah, cool. I like that about him. So, it, the main thing that I loved about this for me is it reminded me of like a 90s like transmetropolitan or even which i know is an an easy reference uh sandman comic in in the way that 90s comic books really found their gritty footing i don't really like john constantine just being like i'm like guy who smokes in every like panel like i've never been a huge fan know it all in the background (laughs) yeah i i do hate sometimes when you're reading a comic and then like you see a puff of smoke yeah a puff of smoke in the background and then he walks out of the shadows and you're like oh here yeah fuck here's john smoking man i feel like that was like every single comic of justice league dark (laughs) he's like oh cool great great reference thank you yeah um, Neato. <laughs> but it's a cool crime story in like all the best ways. Oh, and it gives his backstory in a really like cool way. He's born essentially like an autistic child and his mom instantly dies. I, I don't mean to be flippant about autistic, but he has like no emotions and they're like kind of worried about it. It shows like his abusive father, how he like fucked over his friends through trying to like do like a demonic ritual that like ended up killing one of his friends like it gets dark really quickly and then quickly brings him into like who he is now so you you get like this understanding of john constantine and then you get this crazy like crime scenario and it was just it, from start to finish so fun to read tom taylor back doing what he does best bringing dead characters back as undead characters <laughs> Tom Taylor has proven himself to be a cash cow for DC. Yeah, he's awesome. Like DC'st. Yeah, if you guys he, don't he know, did, he uh, did Seven Secrets, right? Yeah. Uh, did he do Seven Secrets? Yeah, he did. He did. And he's That's doing because you had a hard hard on for Seven Secrets. <laughs> I wouldn't say a hard on. I definitely <laughs> liked it. <laughs> but I mean, he's just proven himself to be a phenomenal writer. 
time and time again. This this comic is phenomenal. Yeah. It 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 I loved it. Obviously I put it as my number one. But if that type of like era of Frank Millery nineties comics is your thing, this is like it but better. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not done by Frank Miller. Right, yeah. Like nineties Ninja Turtles were really cool. This is like that, but better. Yeah. Like it, I feel like that's high praise coming from you. I mean, it is, yeah. It it was really good. It was insane. Like I I I don't know. I was surprised. Yeah. There's also like this really interesting murder spree that seems like a um criminal minds episode <laughs> or something. <laughs> like someone sewing wings to the dead bodies of the one percent and like dropping them from the sky. Huh. Sweet. You're not totally sure if that has anything to do with this kid he killed when he was younger, but that kid is back and looking for some form of vengeance. <laughs> yeah, he's dead and walking around. Oh, and no. he's like a master of like karate or something. <laughs> he's like <laughs> flipping around a dude and like snapping his neck. I was like, oh shit, kid's got skills. <laughs> and then like a a really like lovable character uh, dies in a, in, a, yeah. in a very like surprising gaggy? way. In times in two weeks? Wow. <laughs> rough rough, Damn, rough month for Gaggy. Gaggy, see you later. Um... <laughs> I think I have a tendency to just pick an independent book as my number one. Mm -hmm. And so I was giving it a little bit more points for being like so lovable and interesting and being one of the big two. Do you think it being in like a prestige format helps with that at all? It maybe has like an unfair advantage because you're reading this like massive thing. 100%. I mean, it's (laughs) gorgeous. They put like beautiful spot gloss on the cover. Mm -hmm. Like it's so big that it feels like important like it's been in the works for a long time like i'm reading the bill of rights there's yeah there's like a little bit of like gravitas to well, like what you're reading i haven't books. read a bad black label book superman was not great superman uh, year one is that what it was yeah, called yeah but they've been doing great stuff with with black label i also read it digitally and it felt like reading a trade so you didn't get the unfair advantage yeah, of like go. seeing it like large Still anyway works. no yeah it just felt so long yeah so they did so much with the story which that is an unfair advantage mm-hmm. to all of these other books is that it essentially was two of the rest of the other books yeah some of these zeros would have been full oh my on God. ones full on ones i think yeah. if yes spy island or we only find them when they're dead were beefy oh i would have easily number one. Oh my god i would those would have killed for me yeah, yeah. Which wow. Such a packed and stacked week. We did it. It's crazy, yeah. We should a marathon. Yeah. Release more number ones, comic book world. I feel like we were going to fight you more. We didn't. You did a You did a really solid job. I, I wanna, <laughs> I, like, tell me more about your list now, like in the in the end of this. I, I'm curious like how your list differed, even though we're going to post them on social. Should we do that now or not? <clears throat> you can. I had Spy Island as my last book. Cool barely edged out this was the one that i had like the hardest time with. i cannot like think about ink that blot you yeah. put that below ink blot <laughs> i just i didn't have much of a problem with I how ink blot was I written it seemed like a fun fantasy i loved the dynamic of her family the, like being all these like popular famous prestigious people and she's this like underling but now can't leave the library but, you know the write what but, you know kind of thing but, <laughs> <laughs> totally. Re, you like what so, you know? <laughs> Is that the thing? If from. in a year you can recall the name of this comic book, I will. I will. Put you I may books. not. I'll I can't. I, well, I can't recall names of books that I really love from past episodes either. So that may not be a great barometer. Okay. But <laughs> that's good. Yeah. All right. Ink blot was my number six. 
I'm afraid to say this one. <laughs> uh, Hellblazer was my number five. Lonely Receiver was four. Then Grendel, Kentucky. Nice. We only find them when they're dead in Black Widow. I I like respect that. I I can see why you would put Hell Hell Hellraiser so low. That's what like, I think we're gonna I'll, run into. All these books were great. Yeah. So it's really just reflection of personal. Yeah. And likes. Like a, we were saying point. early on too. Maybe some of it just had to do with when you read them. When, when you, you read, read it. them, yep. right? Isn't that crazy to yeah. think? Yeah. Like yeah. I gave these letter grades, and they're all like B plus, A minus, A, B, B minus. Mm-hmm. Like they're all like so close to each other. Yeah, and I think partially too is expectations. Like I was full on ready for Hellblazer for, 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 for Hellblazer and Spy Island to be bad, and so. That like when they exceeded my expectations, I was like, "Ooh, this needs to be really high." Yeah, I kind of thought Black Widow with Kelly Thompson would be good. Mm. I thought an Al Ewing independent book would be phenomenal. Yeah, right. So I there was so much hype for me for We Only Find Them When They're Dead that it probably never could have met my full full expectations for what it was going to be because I'm measuring like what I know about him from like an entire series of. Empire mm-hmm. and then the, like a long Avengers event and Immortal Hulk. Like you can't do all that in one comic. I'm gonna save my countdown because I haven't read Hellblazer. Yeah, and right. I, I think I need to reread the one about the AI romance again. No, no, it's okay. Take out Hellblazer and let's hear your countdown. Okay, so number seven would be Ink Blot, and then <laughs> Lonely Receiver, and then it would be Spy Island, Black Widow, Grendel, Kentucky, and then I really, really liked. We only find them when they're dead. I think that has the most sturdy legs to go off for a series, and it's a boom thing. You know, they're, they're like I've I don't think I've really heard this take, but it's they're the New York Yankees of <laughs> kind of the publishing world. That would actually hurt myself. <laughs> you have never heard that take before? No, no? I okay. just came up with it. Yeah, <laughs> I like it through That's, the ether. It's just kind of that might be a take I would I would I would resonate with. Mine was last was Grendel. Then six was, I didn't read Hellblazer either, so this will be missing that. Yeah. Six was Black Widow, actually. Five was Lonely Receiver. Four was Ink Flot. You can make fun of me all you want. Oh, Three was We Only Find Them When They're Dead. And wait, I I think I was going in seven. Sure. So that was two was We Only Find Them When They're Dead. And one was Spy Island. We're pretty close. That's Caitlin and I normally yeah. like the same books, except for Ink, ink Blot. At least, at least someone, at least Mike D shared that mm-hmm. and Mary, non-hatred Mary Shelley of it Frankenstein. with me. Y'all can have those. Yeah, we can go out. We can die on our Mary uh, Shelley inkblot hills. I think hills. that just means we can we can spot them better than most. <laughs> you can spot what books that'll sell. Oh we my should God. we should be movie producers. Oh, yeah. oh, we should boy. be stock. They should like in, we just should be stock comic stuff. And yeah, Greg and Budget King should be like, is this comic book gonna sell? No, it ain't. No. <laughs> Have you seen this thing? No. No. Get that out of Put here. Put a J. Scott Campbell cover on it. Then we'll talk. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. So, so, so. <laughs> I would love to walk into a comic book store and just get that kind of respect. Oh, that's you the should guy. Do, that's, that's the guy. You should that dress you. up like Gordon Gecko. <laughs> Start smoking. Yeah. <laughs> just throw receipts at Not only that, why not take the show on the road? Do it at cons. <laughs> <laughs> we walk around with empty briefcases. <laughs> I can't even believe you have that comic book. <laughs> Bad, bad, bad. You might have something here. My God. 
double bag this. <laughs> double bag it. Wait, okay. I would oh, love. Is that a T-shirt already for comics? <laughs> I would love to walk down Artist Alley with all the aspiring comics and just be like, oh nope, nope. <laughs> just like handing Crash. them, handing them a card if it's something that you really like. Like I can make take you a, a real star. sharpie to each of their comics. No, nope, nope. Try again. No, thank you. We look like the Monopoly man. <laughs> Here comes Irville and Orville. Or you're just like frazzled Wall Street people with like your shirt, just like you're sweating and smoking. And just doing tons of lines yeah. of coke. Yeah. yeah. We're rich. <laughs> we, do, we can make you famous. Yeah. Yeah. I break my Tesla behind you. If we do cocaine rec- rec- recreationally, <laughs> we rich, baby. This was actually my plan. I was I was doing a dance um, called, uh, they're going to call me Rich Man. Yeah, recently my my mother passed away and I got a lot of food out of it, and so I decided that I'm not I'm not gonna be buying food for the next two weeks and subsequently the money I was budgeting for for food <laughs> is gonna go into my bank account. I'm gonna be rich man. Yeah, just <laughs> take the extra food and sell it on Facebook Marketplace. Oh, yeah. yeah, make extra coin. Yeah, it's uh, it's my big plan. Day old lasagna. I already <laughs> only ten dollars. I already have a down I think it's good. I already have a down payment on a Tesla from all the <laughs> it has <laughs> peas question mark. <laughs> a lasagna with peas in it? Ooh. Yeah. That may user, be a casserole. User is poorly rated on marketplace. <laughs> There's always an opportunity. <laughs> the only catch is you have to eat it with me. <laughs> Man, oh, I've had a bad week. Yeah. Pull up a chair. <laughs> hey brother, let's warm up this lasagna and talk it out. Right. You... Do you have the fifteen dollars? <laughs> yeah. Before you sit down. Alright, let's chow. Where's that scratch? <laughs> you just gave me a bulk jambalaya that'll do for three days. <laughs> that puts an extra thirty dollars in my bank account and I'm well on my way to being rich. <laughs> That's how money works. Did you say that to everyone who brought something? Yes. Thank you. That's another $30 I'll be saving. You fucking rube. I don't even eat mass quantities of spinach in a can. No one brought you spinach in a can. Is Popeye your uncle? Also, why wouldn't you? You eat cold beans on a train. That's a good point, actually. That was raviolis. Ravioli. Oh, raviolis. Well, that was an episode. It sure was. We covered many, many books. We ranked them. We re-ranked them. And then we ranked them again. <laughs> we could not do more ranking. <laughs> this is the most books we've ever covered on an episode. So thank you for joining us. Uh, don't forget, we've been nominated for a pitch award. So go to thepitch.com, find Arts and Entertainment, find First Issue Club, say, I like them the most, <laughs> and get us to win. Make it two times. If you live in Kansas City, I guess it doesn't, doesn't matter. Doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Does not matter. As long as you have a valid email. Yeah, and then vote for your favorite salon in Kansas City, too. Which, wh- who are you voting for for favorite salon? Uh, Barry's uh, bu- Butchery. Ba- ba- Barry's Barbershop. <laughs> Barry's Butchery. We'll make those. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> this episode's over. Bye. This has been another episode of First Issue Club. We are a proud member of the Fountain City Frequency family of podcasts. Our music is provided by Primary Color Music. We are recorded in KCUR Studios. You can find us, rate us, friend, and follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, email, and your favorite listening platforms at First Issue Club, F-I-R-S-T.